0: I got a lot of shine. Running at the number, that's a lot of time. Try to take it from me, must be at your mind. That is not smoking in the air, that's a lot of time. I can running over with the dollar
1: sign. Try to take it from me. Well, welcome to Fourth and John episode of 238, and we are talking eagles and raiders but uh you know sometimes when you're talking about the the enemy any be the enemy behind the lines uh you're gonna have to need an expert to come in and give you some tips on what what we can expect obviously episode 238 we are talking with dennis ackerman from the raiders podcast he's gonna help us out with the eagles versus raider breakdown obviously people are excited i know eagle fans have uh gotten on a plane already they're they've got their gambling money they, they've got their money they're paying for the tickets they're spending lots of money uh i know we're a little i know we're a little, we might be a little jealous that we're not out there a little bit i, I can see prime's face uh i know i know evan was already in uh vegas earlier it's a
2: great
1: time. Uh, earlier this year but overall we're excited about this game i think it's an opportunity to get back uh to getting W's. I don't know if Dennis believes in that, but uh, I, I think we're going to believe in that statement. I think this is the, the game that the Eagles can catch a W on the road. Uh, so hopefully it's on the road to victory. Um, but Evan, how are you feeling today, my friend?
3: I'm doing well. Uh, I mean, look, looking at the Raiders at the beginning of the year, they really came out hot. Uh, but I mean every it, it, the news is undeniable it's hard to ignore what's been going on recently I feel like we're catching them at the right time uh for a team that's young and struggling like our own uh the the Raiders have their own uh issues that they're dealing with as well so for a t- for a team that is desperate for a win like the Eagles are right now I think Las Vegas is the spot to get this weekend
4: man 10 days man 10 days too long I'm feeling good feeling great about this week uh yeah I feel a little jello the fact that we didn't make the Vegas trip. But, hey, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Um, nothing like being comfortable at your home as well. Uh, looking forward to this matchup, man. I mean, like Evan mentioned, uh, it's the perfect time to catch them in the position that they're in. So um, I guess the reason why I'm feeling so amped up about this weekend as well, because, like, I'm really having a good feeling that this is going to be the turnaround, man. <laughs> to 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 an extent. To an extent. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Uh, but we might finally go ahead and get um, things rolling in the right direction and um it couldn't be a perfect time against a team that's uh you know again like Matt Evans mentioned started off hot but you know we got them at the best time and we got to take advantage of that.
1: Uh now the best time to figure out what the Raiders are and who they are and everything that they that they're me- cracked up to be uh we're bringing in Dennis Ackerman from Believe in Raiders podcast. I know your co-host, co-host Stanford Rout, uh, is not with you but uh you're representing Today, How are you doing today, Dennis?
2: I'm doing well, fellas. Thanks so much for having me on. Really excited to talk some Raiders-Eagles. And you know what? The Raiders have had three home games so far this season, and there has been a lot of fans from whoever they're playing, whether it was been the Ravens. I was at that Dolphins game, second home game for the Raiders, and then the Bears game. I watched that one on TV. When Justin Fields came back in to replace Andy Dalton, I mean, you could hear the roar from the crowd. So, yeah, the Raiders have a home field advantage, but trust me, the opponents... They're well represented there at Allegiant Stadium as well.
1: Well, you know the Eagle fans have been showing up. We took over Atlanta. Uh, That's, we did not that to do, That's not <laughs> tough to do, though. That's not tough to do. Yeah, uh, we, we we did take over Carolina as well. Uh, so I'm hoping, uh, from you know, what talking to my friends, uh, people in the community, a lot of Eagle fans will be out there. But I know, but I know you've got the lay of the land um, on the on the Raiders. Uh, I mean, you guys have been going through this. Uh, Transition period without, you know, it's life after John Gruden. I mean, that's a big personality. Uh, What has that been like um, for Raider Nation?
2: Well, I think the big question was how are they going to respond last Sunday, blocking out the noise, blocking out everything, the aftermath of John Gruden resigning. And I was, you know, like everyone else in Raider Nation, how was this team going to come out and play? You know, they scored on their opening drive. Was the first time they scored a touchdown on their opening drive in twelve game so I thought okay that gave me a little optimism but then they allowed the Broncos to come right back and score so I was like hmm but you know what the Raiders ended up playing their most complete game of the season now the score was 34 to 24 but it really wasn't that close the Raiders dominated offensively they dominated defensively and it was a complete performance in the aftermath of everything that they had to deal with it was a great victory and now you know, Stanford Rout and I were discussing earlier, this could be a trap game for them. I mean, all the emotion they had to deal with last week, they get through it, they get through it with a W. Okay, now, can they come out, put two straight games together in this aftermath? We'll wait and see. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, we we opened up this podcast talking about how like, I mean, we we can't ignore all of the things that have happened the past few weeks uh, with it within the Raiders camp. Uh, but from the outside perspective, looking in on us Eagles, uh, what do you see the Eagles doing well this year? And what do you see is worth exploiting in this matchup?
2: Well, let me tell you something. The Raiders offense, if it played the way it did Sunday, and if it mm-hmm. played the way it did the first three weeks, the Eagles secondary and their defense is going to be in a lot of trouble because Derek Carr, has been playing lights out for the most part. He's throwing for well over 300 yards in four out of the six games. he would be second in the NFL in passing yards. He's throwing 10 touchdowns. And the emergence of the second year wide receivers, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, has given that offense a completely different dimension. They're both averaging, there's Henry right there. They're both <laughs> averaging well over 20 yards a catch. And I believe Ruggs leads the NFL in yards per catch. Now, these guys last year, they were hurt a lot. They were unavailable. Carr wasn't able to develop that kind of chemistry. But through the first six weeks so far this year, it has been fantastic. And they've opened up the offense. Al Davis looking down from above, loving that long ball that Derek Carr is connecting with Edwards along with Ruggs.
1: You talk about Derek Carr. I mean, he, he's a guy that he, he could be, you know, some some people don't look at, at him as elite, but I think he gets the job done and – He's consistent. You know, you talk about being uh, – consistency hasn't been the thing in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, he has some up games, some down games. But, um, you know, Carr has been carving up defenses. I mean, just talking about these soft zones where, you know, the defense uh, that we're throwing out there isn't – you know, they're playing zone a lot. I I think, you know, with a guy like Carr, he could definitely find all those soft spots.
2: You know, Derek last year uh, threw for over 4,000 yards, 26 touchdown passes, less than 10 interceptions. This was going to be year four in the Gruden system with him. And like I said, he started out very well uh, against San Diego, bigger part against the LA Chargers. I still want to call him San Diego these days. And against the Bears, he really struggled. But the entire offense did. They only scored 23 points combined in those two games. But if you can give Derek time, and the offensive line has been an issue. Now, they played well on Sunday against Denver, and Derek put up big numbers. But if the offensive line can give him time, he can carve up a defense. And he has proven that week after week. And look, you can look at the numbers. Like I said, I think he's second in the NFL in passing yards to Tom Brady. But it's when that offensive line breaks down, that's when you see Derek will struggle. But I don't know any quarterback that you know plays well when he's under duress. You know, they blew up the offensive line in the offseason. They got rid of starting center Rodney Hudson. They traded away Gabe Jackson, their starting right guard, and they traded Trent Brown back to the New England Patriots, their right tackle. They drafted Alex Leatherwood, another guy out of Alabama. He's supposed to be their starting right tackle. He started there the first four games. He struggled so bad they moved him to right guard in his first game against the Bears. He struggled there also. But last week against the Broncos, he was fantastic. Brandon Parker stepped in now at right tackle. Richie Incognito, 38 years old. He was supposed to be the starting left guard. He has not even played this season, so their line has been – makeshift week after week but last week they really played well and like i said when they can protect Derek carr he is going to pick your defense apart
3: absolutely and uh speaking in like you, you mentioned all the, the uh trades that the raiders have made in the past uh past year or so um i mean as eagles fans we're always keeping our ear to the ground for trades transactions um but at this point in the in the raider season do you think that anyone is there anyone on your radar that you think could be moved Uh, from the Raiders or someone that you guys are eyeing up from another team to join your squad?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, right now, I mean, offensive line is probably the weakest link on this team. Would they make a move? That's a great question. You know, Mike Mayock, now that Gruden is gone, Mike Mayock has all the final say on personnel moves before that it was all John Gruden. So, you know, they're a little thin right now, also at cornerback there without Trayvon Mullen, who's normally a starter and then backup Damon Arnett, who's second year out of, uh, Ohio State he is injured at well but they signed Casey Hayward in the offseason and everybody talks about you know Yannick Ngakwe was supposed to be the prize uh, signing in the free agent period but I'll tell you what Casey Hayward he has been lights out in that secondary he has been a calming influence on that back end because they are very young Jonathan Abram the safety he's only in his third season they got Trayvon Merrig they took him the second round at a TCU he's played very well but they are very young back there Nate Hobbs who was a fifth round pick. He has stepped in as a starter. He's played very well. So, you know, if they were looking to add anywhere, perhaps in the secondary, maybe, uh, offensive line as well.
1: You know, we have Andre Dillard. If you're looking for a left tackle, you know, know, they're
2: actually set at left tackle with Colton Miller. He's been their most (laughs) consistent. He's the only holdover from a year ago.
1: Unfortunately, he can't really play swing. He's not really a right tackle. Um, but overall, I mean, let's talk about a guy who's been getting a lot of pub lately. I mean, you know, Max Crosby, this this dude is, uh, what, is he second in the league in sacks right now? Uh, yeah, he's I'm- got
2: five sacks on the year. I think he's, what, third? Okay, uh, picked up three against Denver. He had two opening night against Baltimore. You know, I was talking with Stanford today. I'm like, you know, who, who does he remind you of? I'm like, he's just so unique. He's got such a high motor. And when he's not getting to the quarterback, he's pressuring the quarterback. And he brought up a great comparison. Jared Allen, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? You guys are shaking your head. And the Minnesota Vikings, doesn't he remind you of that? I mean, just the high motor, every single play. And if he's not getting the sack, well, then he's getting a pressure. You know, the Raiders last year only had 21 sacks as a team, and I think that was either last or second to last in the NFL. They already have 16 this year. And I think the addition of Yannick Ngakwe has helped Crosby on the other side of the, the defensive line, and Max is just wreaking havoc in that backfield for opposing quarterbacks.
3: Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I've been do, doing a little deep dive on your interim head coach. Um, I don't want to butcher his last name. Rich Bisaccia? That's Bisaccia. He's a good to.
2: Italian. You guys should know that in Philly. I, hey,
3: I'm Madagon. I'm I, 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 I don't know nothing. Um, but. has <laughs> gone. T- uh, <laughs> uh, he's your, he's your interim head coach right now. Uh, but I, I noticed he's been coaching football since 1983. Uh, he's been part of NFL staff since 2002. He's been, uh, assistant head coach, uh, pretty much since 2008. Do you think that he's an interim coach and that's it at the end of the year? Or do you think that he has a real opportunity of, uh, moving forward as your head coach?
2: Well, that's a great question. You know, this guy's from Yonkers, New York. So you kind of, your neck of the woods out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, he was with Gruden in Tampa Bay, as you mentioned, in 2002 to 2008, special teams coordinator. Then in 2012, he became a uh, assistant coach, special teams coordinator with the Chargers, with the Cowboys. And then when Gruden came back to the Raiders for his second stint, uh, Basaccia came with him. So he's got assistant head coaching experience. Now, look, if they can continue to win, and if they can make a playoff push and they can actually make the playoffs, then yes, I could definitely see them. Hey, the system's in place. He's the head coach. Guess Bradley's the defensive coordinator. Greg Olson takes over uh, play-calling duties. He was actually the offensive coordinator, but as we all know, Gruden was calling the plays and Olson was just suggesting. Now Olson is actually calling the plays. So look, if Passaccia can make a run with these guys and get them to the postseason and get them close, then yeah, I absolutely believe that he could be in line to get the interim tag off and be the head coach moving forward. Any thoughts
3: on a guy like Dougie P potentially coming to town? Ooh, Still looking for a no, job.
2: Wow. <laughs> uh, I, you know that's a great question. I I hadn't even thought of it. I'm focused on Bassachia right now for this year, and the Fair Eagles. Enough. That's as far ahead as I want to get for this Raider team. <laughs>
4: how How far do you guys uh, see yourself like away from being that? Solid team. I mean, I'm looking at your defense here. And I mean, you guys are the names bring out the defense, but it just seems like you're still a couple pieces away from like,
2: you know, being that that defense that you need to be. Well, look, last year they were the worst defense in the NFL. So there was only one way to go for them straight up. And they have really improved under first year defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. I didn't think he would come together uh, this quickly. You know, he likes to run that cover three screen cover three scheme. Uh, It requires a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And so far, like I said, the Raiders, uh, they've been doing a good job. They've sacked the quarterback 16 times. Um, You know, they still are susceptible to run. I believe they're giving up right around 130 yards a game, which is kind of near the bottom uh, of the league. So you can still gash them on the ground. Uh, They picked up three uh, three interceptions last week against Denver. So they have about seven or eight turnovers for the season. But they're susceptible to giving up big chunks of yardage on the ground. Um, but look at if the Raiders' offense can continue to pick up, put up big numbers, and the opponent's going to be playing from behind. And usually, when you're playing from behind, you're putting the ball in the air.
1: Now, the thing that's been talked about um, in Philly, um, I'm going to bring up a gra- graphic. BFF put it out uh, of a quote. Um, now, I think we all can connect with it as Eagle fans. Uh, we've got to get the ball to Miles Moore. And it, in, in terms of your defense and not being strong against the run. I think this is the perfect opportunity for Nick Sirianni um, uh, to to spark up the run. I mean, it's been a constant battle amongst fans every week um, to get him some touches. You talk about uh, against the Cowboys, he had two touches. Um, you know, overall, I think he's got fifty-seven touches on the season. I think he's he's um, right around thirty-second in attempts, um, and you know. Every time the offense sparks late in the game, it's due to some some chunk plays from um, Miles Sanders. Do you think this is the game where the Eagles can ignite the run against your run defense?
2: Oh, I definitely do. And I was, I was looking at that also. I was like, what, he's only touched the ball like 29 times the last three games? It's just like they're not getting him involved in the offense. And I was looking at his numbers and I was like, well, that's kind of a head scratcher because like you just said, and like I said, the numbers kind of bear out that, you know, the Raiders – Can be had on the ground. So, you know, if the Eagles can get the ground game going and they can stay with it and they can be successful with it and they can chew up yardage and they can chew up the clock, then that keeps the Raiders offense on the sideline, which the Raiders offense, you know, this is the, that's the best part of their team is, you know, they can go out and put points on the board. But yeah, that's, you know, that's one of the way the Bears beat them. The Bears did it on the ground. Uh, the Chargers did a wonderful job on Monday night as well. They got out to that 21 0 lead because they were able to run the ball, which set up the pass with play action pass. Now, I know you guys don't do a lot of play action pass because of what Jalen Hurts is in, what shotgun 95, 99% of the time. Pretty much. So, you know, uh, but yeah, that's, that's where the Bears got him and that's where the Chargers got him. They were able to run the ball and then that set up the pass for him and they were able to keep the Raiders' offense on the sideline. Like I said, the Raiders' offense and their two losses combined for just 23 points. And then last week, they rebounded to put up 34 on that Denver defense. You got uh, two studs on your side of the ball as well. I
4: mean, Josh Jacobs and uh, Kenyon Drake. Um, I was reading that you guys are finally, you know, starting to get the collaboration with these two going. Um, Like, intel-wise, just for this weekend's game, I mean, do you, like, see them being uh, a threat you know going up against our run defense
2: well uh, look at the Raiders have struggled uh with the running game and part of that's been the offensive line which I mentioned earlier Josh has also been hurt he's missed a game Uh, he's been banged up a little bit he's finally healthy he did rush for about 60 yards uh last week and then Drake Uh, Kenyon was kind of MIA the last couple of games, and I don't know if it was Gruden not getting him involved, but he had two touchdowns last week on a a pass and then a run as well. So I think the Raiders, uh, Greg Olson in particular, now that he's taken over play calling duties, he wants to get these two more involved. And when the Raiders can set up, get the run game going, that can set up play action pass for Carr. And that's when Carr is really dangerous because that's when he can take his shots down the field looking for a Henry Ruggs. You know Darren Waller can get down the field as well. You got Hunter Renfro underneath, and then Brian Edwards also. There's my man Hunter out of uh, Clemson University. No more Mr. Third Down. This guy's an every down uh, wide receiver, and he's very underrated. He is really good.
1: I mean, he's a scrapper. I mean, coming out of the, you know uh, you know Clemson, I was like, this guy is going to be one of those dudes who's going to be a scrapper, and he's going to be a technician, oh, and he he, he I- he's 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 he's, he's He's actually been that dude and um he, he's refined his game. And just like you said, he's not just you know that dude he's an every down guy. And I, I feel like just overall looking at the Raiders offense and the weapons that you have, I feel like you guys are gelling at the, the right time in terms of uh, you know, we all know what Darren Waller is. Uh, I think, you know, the ability with the long ball with Henry Ruggs opening it up and you know, taking shots downfield, I think that's, that's great for your, your, your offense. I, I love Brian Edwards. He's got the great, he's got the great size. Um, And then the running game, I mean, you, you got some solid uh running backs and stable. Um, I, I just think if I'm looking at in terms of uh, weaknesses, I just talk about, you know, the offensive line, I think that, you know, your, your offensive line versus our defensive line, I think we should be able to, you uh, do a good job with the run. I I feel like, um, but when you talk about weapons, you guys have some versatile guys that's really kind of like Swiss Army knife. Like, what kind of weapon do you want to carve us up with? And you have a quarterback who can is accurate with the football. So I mean, at the end of the day, um, and the thing about the Eagles, whether it's offensively or defensively, we are showing our cards. We talk about gambling and go to Vegas. You don't want to show your cards. And with with the the way that our defense is set up. We're pretty much showing you what we're doing the way that our offense is set up. We're pretty much showing you what we're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, overall, I think, um, if our, well, I'm thinking of of where we have the competitive edge, I, I, I think our defensive line should, um, eat this week.
4: And I'm, also, they, I, I'm sorry, ahead. I'm curious to know about Mariota. Uh, you know, I see that he's come back, and like, is it like part of the scheme with bringing him a few plays to go ahead and you know, catch us all surprises. I mean, I think the last time I remember he had that one for 31 yards and then that was the one where he got hurt as well. So, like, is that, like, pretty much the game plan to use utilize him in that position?
2: Well, you know, he was hurt during all of training camp, didn't play in the pre three preseason games, and then, like you said, he makes one appearance against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, rips off a 31-yard run, and then he gets hurt again. And then last week was the first time he's been active. So, you know, I think they had a package for him when John Gruden was the coach. Now, has that changed uh, since Greg Olson has taken over? Well, it's yet to be seen. But I was, you know, hammering. I wanted to see uh, Mariota in the red zone because that's where the Raiders really struggled last year. They just they would get down there and they would have to settle for field goal after field goal. And I just thought, you know, Mariota can come in. He can give the offense a different look. You know, he can throw it. He can run it. And I think that might have been the plan under Gruden, but now that, like I said, that Olsen has taken over, I think you might see him more in the red zone than what we saw on Monday night against the uh, Baltimore Ravens because he is a dual threat quarterback. And it just gives the defense something else to think about if he can come in, replace Carr, and see what happens.
1: Talking talk about your. Gail, um...
2: yeah, I have a quick question for you. Just uh, I'm looking over your shoulder. I see all those Eagles legends. Which one is your favorite? I got Randall. How about this? Randall, I'm going to name them all for you. I can't even see. Oh, I wasn't. I was Randall Cunningham, Jerome Brown. Oh wait, there's more. Jaworski, McNabb, Reggie White, uh, Westbrook. Fifteen is uh, Van Buren. Oh, okay. That's a little bit before my time. I want Bednarik. Yep, Bednarik. Who's your favorite of all those?
1: Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go. With Cunningham. I think I know. The, I think
2: I know the answer. Yeah, we yeah. already knew the answer. You said it at the very beginning. He's, he's,
3: got, he's got like five Cunningham jerseys.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm a little Cunningham, Stan. That's the one guy that uh, I don't know if I know if I could get through an interview. Um, but I mean, overall, I mean, this is a lot of Reggie White. Reggie White was amazing as well.
2: Hey, you, see so did you know, Randall Cunningham is desire. the Raiders chaplain. What was that? Randall Cunningham is the Raiders chaplain. Did you know that? We no, sure we didn't know that? Yeah, yeah he is. Randall lives in Vegas. Randall retired. Oh, my he, God! He lives in Vegas, and he's the Raiders chaplain. Yeah. Wow. We should we have went to Vegas. I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot. Now. Now. now, now go,
3: right? Speaking of uh, just staying in the same vein as quarterbacks, us as Philadelphia fans, Dennis, we've got this reputation of uh, – Running people out of town, whether it's a guy that's in Indy now, whether it's some dumbass point guard that's still on the Sixers, and I'm not even going to say his name. Okay, uh, the, the the fans have a, a reputation about being hard on the players. Uh, I'm just interested in. I know that this is year what like eight for Derek Carr. Um, is. is he living up to the expectations of the um, the what was Oakland and now Las Vegas fan base? And is there any um is there any push uh on his back right now or like uh, any sort of hot seat for I, I mean he's played well last year but I'm saying like, the lack of overall playoff appearances you know what I mean
2: no I do look at like I said this is his eighth season he's a lightning rod for this fan base either 50% love him 50% want to move on from him I'm actually in his corner I'm a big fan of his I think he's played well you know in 2016 uh he was putting up mvp type numbers unfortunately at the end of the year he got hurt he came back in 2017. He did not play well, yeah, but the Raiders didn't as a team either. They were 6-10, and 10. and then, look, they have had just the worst defenses over the last three seasons. Now, the guy can't play both ways. He can't play quarterback and then go on the other side of the football and play defense. It just ain't going to work. So, you know, I, I do. Uh, he's got this year and then next year, and then he's a free agent. So, look, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I don't know if they would go into next season with him in a lame duck year. I I don't know. We'll have to see. And especially with Mike Mayock now taking over uh, personnel moves, you know, Derek's put up huge numbers so far this year. I think he's one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. I think he is definitely the team leader. He is the main man inside that Raiders locker room. Um, You know, he stood up last week. He took all the questions about John Gruden. You know, owner Mark Davis was nowhere to be found. He left it up to Rich Bisaccia. Uh, Darren Waller and, you, you know, uh, Derek Carter answer all the questions. And Derek stood up there for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. He said, look, I love John Gruden. I don't love what he said. I don't stand for that. But he went up. He showed that he is the leader of this football team. And, look, th- he is the reason why they're 4-2 with the numbers that he's put up in the season he's But I'm not going to talk MVP because I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people talk MVP and it's only week seven. I can't stand that. Let's talk MVP when it's week 11 or 12. You know getting towards the end of the season, but uh, you know what? I think Derek's a good quarterback, I really do. And you know, whether they make the playoffs or not, I think that's going to determine his long term future with the Raiders.
1: Now, looking at the uh, the last five opponents that you've you played, you, you know, uh, you talk about Pittsburgh, you won 26 17, you know, you beat Miami, you over, know, in overtime 31 28. Uh, then you caught an L, uh, versus the Chargers, and you, you caught an L versus Chicago, and then a win against denver um do you, do you do you believe that um the quality of the opponents do you think um are the are the raiders who we think they are or um or do you think that they're, they're they're going to plateau at some certain point
2: well look what's the old adage you play who's on your schedule i mean nobody thought baltimore would be five and one you know, their, their, their only loss is to the Raiders on that Monday night game in overtime. So the Raiders actually beat a very good Ravens team. Now, I know the Steelers aren't who the Steelers, who we think they should be. Granted, I get that. The Broncos, 3-0. and uh, That was uh, – everybody knew that wasn't real. Now I think they're on their way to their four straight loss here this evening. Um, you know, they beat Miami. Did they make it harder on themselves than they should have? Yes. Should have, that game have gone to overtime? No. But the bottom line is, you know, like players will tell you, it's hard to win in this league and what they – you know – If you get a win ugly or if you get a blowout win, however you get the win, as long as you get the win. I mean, they have the Eagles. They still have the Giants. They still have the Cowboys on their schedule. They still have to play the Chiefs twice. I know Kansas City's down a little bit right now. but Division rival games, and it's Kansas City. It's Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to count them out until somebody knocks them off. They still have the Chargers one more time and the Broncos one more time. So, you know, they still have some tough games on their schedule. And let's see if they can continue to put up some W's and, you know, and look at the, the Washington football team wasn't apologizing to anybody for going seven and nine last year and winning the NFC East. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so just thinking about um,
3: the actual venue of the of this stadium in Las Vegas, um, I'm interested to know uh, I, I, you, you've you covered them while they were in Oakland as well, right? I so what, it, yep. what is the game day like in Oakland versus Las Vegas? Could you just set the scene uh, for all these Eagles fans that I know are going to be making the trip out to Las Vegas?
2: Well, it's night and day because in Oakland, the tailgating scene, I would put up there – uh, probably top three. Uh, I would have put up at Kansas city and green Bay and Oakland. It's a huge parking lot. So there's plenty of tailgate. Okay, Phil, I'll throw you guys in there. <laughs> <laughs> just a courtesy
3: bone. <laughs> there you go.
2: Uh, you, you know, Oakland was a, a very middle-class, uh, type of crowd. It was very rowdy. Uh, you know, they were into the game. They would sell out. It was just all about the Raiders for those three hours. And I know they didn't win a lot, especially since 2002, but You know what? The Raider fans showed up, and they were loyal, and they were faithful. And it breaks my heart. They couldn't get a deal done in Oakland, and they relocated to the desert. Um, I did go to Allegiant Stadium. Uh, I'm kind of old school, guys. I don't like going inside to watch a football game. It is not a retractable roof. Now, where they have the Al Davis torch, that, that window does open up, but I don't think they've opened it up for any games. Now, barring the roof and going inside, uh, it is a wonderful facility. It's, it's still grass. I'm, like I said, I'm old school. I like no the grass. Baseball Part yeah. No baseball field. No <laughs> baseball field. No baseball field. No, that's plus. true. No dirt. There's no <laughs> dirt. <laughs> um, you know, and, and they've done a wonderful job. It's great sight lines. Um, that, you know, you go, you tour the, um, they have all the Raider players. Uh, who are in the Hall of Fame. So you can walk around, you can see that. So they really, really did a nice job of it. It's a beautiful facility. But like I said, man, Vegas is a destination now. So you're going to get a lot of visiting fans, no matter how well the Raiders are doing And One of my fears is the Raiders put together maybe two, three straight losing seasons. You could be looking at a Chargers situation where it's like 50-50, or sometimes the opposing team has more fans than the home team. Got you,
4: got you. The black hole, like, what's is is there a big
2: difference from where it was
4: at in los angeles and in oakland compared to
2: how it is in vegas well the black hole actually started when they returned to oakland in 1995 and uh, look my family had season tickets before and after uh in oakland so i went to quite a few games also worked quite a few games working for some networks uh, nfl network uh cnn sports fox sports so i would able either work wise or fan wise i attended a lot of games at the oakland coliseum you go down in the black hole and it's just it's all about the raiders it's you know and there's people from all walks of life and they don't care about anything else the only thing they care about is the raiders winning and unfortunately they didn't do a lot of it they're just so passionate all they wanted to all they wanted was a w and that's the only thing that mattered and unfortunately they just couldn't they couldn't do it enough you know especially yeah, I mean, since 2002 yeah they're definitely passionate i i give you oh. that
4: and one of one of my biggest goals in life was to attend raiders eagles game and be that one guy in the middle of the black hole did you do it gonna happen oh
1: Uh, i know that ain't who i think it is
4: (laughs) a confession (laughs) that i have to make to the show because i mean i've mentioned this before but i was a raiders fan back in 80 87 uh bo jackson first time christensen oh no come on stop i mentioned it you know i mean the reason why is because <laughs> the reason why is because i was a big fan of tecmo on nintendo and i mean the oh, you were,
1: with bo jackson is yeah raiders were that?
4: the bomb team to have on that on that game i mean you could have been whatever fan you wanted to be but come on all day any day you're gonna go ahead and play with those raiders um but like do you see like um i guess i'm just always curious to know that that's a big move from having all those fans in oakland And then moving to Las Vegas, do you see like a lot of people went with the team?
2: Or do you see like it just lost a lot of its fan base? Well, I know for a fact that 7000 people who had uh, season tickets in Oakland uh, got season tickets to Las Vegas. Now, when I went to the Dolphins game, uh, the people around me at a Raider game, you stood the whole time. It doesn't matter what it was, the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. You stood the whole game Mm -hmm. and you made as much noise as you could. Now, I'm going to Vegas, and I'm standing up, and everybody in the section around me is sitting down. And I'm like, well, you're at a football game. Stand up. What are you doing sitting down? Make some noise, especially, you know, the Dolphins got the ball on offense. Get loud. And the only time they would get loud is, you know, when Crosby started to whip the crowd up with his hand and in Gawkway. And then here's the thing that I couldn't figure out. When the Raiders got inside the red zone, that's when the stadium got louder. And, the, you know, Derek Carr is constantly having to tell the crowd, Settle down, quiet down, you know, offense at work, be quiet. So mm-hmm. it's definitely uh, a different crowd. Most of the, I talked to, you know, some of the people in the section and there wasn't anybody from Vegas. Everybody was from out of town, whether rooting for the Raiders or the Dolphins. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea. Look, mm-hmm. it's an entertainment town. You know, they just got the yeah. NHL a few years ago. They got spoiled, you know, by the Vegas Golden Knights. who have made a couple of runs to the NHL fi- Stanley Cup final. And now they finally have NFL and they got to learn, you know, the nuances of the game. You and NLV football ain't cutting it there. So I, I, I see everybody's coming at me. Let me make this
4: thing very clear. The man just said it himself. It was an entertaining team. I was entertained by them. All right. I wasn't a Raiders fan. I was just entertained by this them. This guy's so. a fraud. Come on, man. Back. Stop playing. Hey,
2: look, the Raiders have one of the most iconic jerseys in the NFL. That's silver and black. I'll put man. that up against – the Packers, the Steelers mm-hmm. and the Bears. Right. Yeah. Cow- oh, Cowboys. Cowboys are iconic as well. Oh, you know so it's what? easy to <laughs> like. The- the I'm, so- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, You know, OK, <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's easy to like that silver and black that look. That's just easy. so classy. And, you know, and, it- and
3: so you met you mentioned uh, about Max Crosby getting the, that crowd hyped up. Is he that guy on your team? Like on, on the Eagles, we have guys like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, when he's healthy, that are like the heartbeat of that team. And they they are not only leaders in the locker room, but they're also like favorites in the fan base that are out there and are able to, at at the flip of a switch, are able to get the whole crowd hyped up. Who Who is that guy on the Raiders? Is it Max Crosby?
2: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, they absolutely love Max Crosby. Uh, you know what? He was only in Oakland for one year and he was already becoming a fan favorite there. I mean, he looks the part of a Raider. Max oh. Crosby's like six, six, he's cut, he's lean. He's got the tattoos everywhere. You know, it's a throwback to like the John Matuzak, guys like that. Like Howie Long, he just looks the part of a Raider. So it's definitely, uh, Max Crosby, uh, in Gakway. Uh, I definitely. I put him up there. Um, you know, well, especially when he's putting uh, some good looks on good licks on some, uh, Running backs is Jonathan Abram. He can get the crowd uh, going as well. And offensively, Darren Waller. I mean, he's one of the most exciting players in the NFL. He's probably top two in tight ends uh, just behind Travis Kelsey from the Chiefs.
3: Yep, yep. He he has been a guy that has really rose through the ranks very quickly in his career.
1: I mean, coming out of the draft, uh, I was looking at Abrams and uh, just his willingness to hit somebody for no reason. Um, I just love that his, his uh, his aggressive nature. Um, in his play style. Um, But um, there's a comment um, on Facebook. Uh, Joe says, honestly, people see Gruden leaving as a problem. I see it as a a great thing for the Raiders. Do you agree with this sentiment here? I mean, um, and can you speak to this conspiracy theory of like, you know, they they owed him like $60 million left in the tank. So I mean,
3: I'm in on that conspiracy theory.
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, speak to it.
2: Okay, so the first thing the contract, yes, was 10 years, reportedly 100 million. This was just year four of that deal. So look at this thing, blew up in Mark Davis's face. There's no other way uh, to frame it. So, you know, but he resigned. So they don't owe him uh, the rest of that money. And that's a huge financial break for the Raiders. Now, in terms of personnel, you know, John Gruden was the GM uh, for the Buccaneers, and that didn't work out too well. I think they missed the playoffs three out of the last four years after he won a Super Bowl. Uh, in his first season, he has made a lot of questionable uh, personnel moves uh, with the Raiders. Uh, the draft, you, you know, he traded for Antonio Bryant. Well, we know how that turned out. A lot of his free agent signings uh, ha- have not worked out. Uh, Cleve Farrell, who was a number four pick just mm. a few years ago. He he can't even sniff the field right now. Uh, now they ha- Now, he did do well in the lower rounds. You know, talk about Max Crosby, fifth round pick. Hunter Renfro, I believe, is a fourth or fifth rounder as well. So in the lower rounds, they've hit home runs, but up top, not so well. Now, Josh Jacobs, he had a great rookie campaign. Mm -hmm. His last two years, maybe not so good just because of the health. Um, And he's due a contract extension, and that's a big question mark, whether he's going to get it or not. My thing with Gruden as a coach, I always thought he was a little bit too conservative. One of the things he would like to do, as soon as the Raiders got a lead late, Third quarter, fourth quarter, whether it was 10 points, two touchdowns, oh my goodness. He would play not to lose offensively and he would try and rely on his defense, which was one of the worst in the NFL the whole time he was there. So it was a philosophy that just wasn't working. And it just seemed like he was so stubborn so set in his ways he wouldn't change you know the red zone uh woes that they had the whole time he was there that's because i mean it was so easy to, you knew everything he was going to do once they got inside the red zone they you know three tight ends or one running back and a wide receiver and he'd run it right up the middle he'd do it two times in a row and then they try to roll out on third down sent out the field goal unit so i think fans got very frustrated with with those two things with him so look um they did open up the offense uh against denver they were they weren't conservative when they got ahead they threw the ball uh on third down they had a lot of big hits to edwards as well as rugs and they kept attacking they kept attacking that's something you just wouldn't have seen uh under john gruden we'll see if it continues under greg olson so i can understand some of the frustration with the fan base in terms of the personnel uh and his coaching philosophy so i do understand where they're coming from i do And and Mm -hmm. coming from the player perspective as well, I mean, I saw
3: Josh Jacobs had made a statement and he said that just playing under Versace is it's a completely different vibe than under Gruden. There's there's a lot less stress going on on the sidelines. If a player were to mess up, it's just kind of going on to the next play. And that doesn't linger. Can you speak to that at all?
2: Well, okay, he says that, but look who he played for in college at Alabama, Nick Saban. You think Nick was a saint uh, on the side? <laughs> no way. <laughs> right, no he was way. probably yeah. worse than Gruden. No, 100%. So, I, you know, I understand what Josh is saying. Look, somebody might have asked him, you know, compare Versace to Gruden, and I'm sure it is night and day, you, you know. Gruden was this. He look, Gruden was the face of that franchise. He had so much power. Yep. He had this long-term deal. I mean, when you thought of the Raiders, who was the pers- first person that came to your mind? John Gruden, when you think of the Steelers, who's the first person that comes to mind? It's Mike Tomlin, the Patriots, Bill Belichick. You don't think of a player with the Raiders. Maybe now you do, but before you thought John Gruden. Yeah.
1: I mean, do you think of John Gruden when you talk about the Eagles? Hello? Oh, my
2: goodness. Come on. Wow. Is that a starter headband? That's a (laughs) starter hat.
1: That For is the starters. <laughs> uh, yeah, Is that Offense, a backwards
3: visor? Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's QB coach. Oh QB my god, that,
4: that was pretty much like the making of Chucky, right?
3: And that's your boy Randall, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so, <laughs> so you know he was the Eagles' well, offensive coordinator, right? And then he got the Raiders' head coaching job in
3: 1998. Yep. It's,
1: that's it's crazy. Been, it's been it's been a minute, but it, yeah, it's yeah. funny to see his his career yeah. arc. You know, it's like. It's just like you what, went What you, was
4: that? What was that thing that he would do? Uh knock knock if you hear me something like that like <laughs>
1: knock on
2: wood if you're with me.
4: Knock on wood if you that's what it was.
1: Yeah, he loves that visor, man. I mean overall, I man, I just feel like we've seen so many ups and downs with the NFL and I, I felt like we we've been dealt another curveball. I, I know everybody's still uh they're waiting for another ball to drop. It, it, I was I was watching uh, another forget where i was watching it but you think that the fact that he resigned john gruden resigned like was there another ball that was going to drop like that was going to be even worse than what already happened i mean the i do think that so resigned, i think
2: when, when when the first report came out on friday i think the raiders already had those other emails as well and i think the league was waiting to see what are the raiders going to do and mark davis you know him he one thing about the Raiders organization, it goes all the way back to his father, Al Davis, when he owned the Raiders. They were always about diversity and inclusion. Al Davis was one of the first owners to recruit at historically black colleges. He hired the first two minority head coaches, Tom Flores, who just went into the Hall of Fame, and Art Shell. He hired Art Shell twice. Amy Trask was the first female in the front office. So the fact is the Raiders, about all this diversity, about inclusion, and for John Gruden to turn around and to say all those things in an email, that was just a disrespect to the entire organization. You know, Derek Carter said, look, we love John Gruden. We just don't love what he said, and, and we don't stand for that as well. So he had to go. There was no if, uh, buts about it. He had to go. Absolutely. Now
1: we're going to put out there, uh, if you have any questions, um, shoot us your questions. If you got any questions for Dennis, uh, shoot them, and, he, you know, When do you get a chance, an opportunity to talk to someone who covers uh, the opposing team? Um, So if you guys are out there in the comments, want to answer any questions, I mean, ask questions, we'll be happy to
2: answer them. I will say one more thing, though, about the Gruden situation. I I, I do find it hard to believe out of 650,000 emails, that's the only thing that comes out of it. Come on. Yeah. I, I, I mean, is this the owners protecting the owners? Is this Goodell protecting the owners? Can't, that can't be the only thing and out of 650,000. They, they, yeah, they've been sitting on this for a couple of years, though, too,
3: haven't they? Because this happened back when the Jay Gruden thing happened in Washington. That's when all those emails were exchanged.
2: Well, they were investigating this Washington so. football team, and they said they had. there was a report that they had these emails over the summer. And if they did, why didn't they release them then? Give yeah. the Raiders time to find a new head coach go into the season, you you know, if this would have happened before, at least you could have been somewhat prepared for it. I mean, nobody's ever prepared to lose their head coach, one, during the season or right before the season. But why did you wait till now to release the emails if you had them over the summer?
3: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You know, uh, Paul Wadey is checking in from across the pond. You can tell by the way he spells favorite. Uh, He wants to know, what's your all-time favorite uh, Raiders player?
2: Okay, Paul, I'm not sure how old you are, so I'm going to probably date myself a little bit here. But when I was a kid, uh, my favorite player was the snake, number 12, Kenny Stabler. When I first started watching the Raiders uh, in 1975, they went to the AFC Championship. A year later, they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Two straight years after that, they went to the AFC Championship, and I just... He was my idol, my boyhood, you know, just seeing him on the TV, number 12, a left-hander. I think the Raiders were only one of two teams that had a left-handed quarterback uh, back then. But I just love the snake. Just what there was under two minutes left and the Raiders were trailing. And we had the final possession. I knew every single time the Raiders were going to win, and if they did, it was a shock. But I mean, the Holy Roller—who can forget that against the Chargers? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sea—I'm I'm not old enough to remember the Sea of Hands, but you can just Google it or look it up on YouTube. The Sea of Hands or the Holy Roller, and yeah, it's just wonderful memories of him. I mean, I love Charles Woodson as well. Howie Long, uh, Tim Brown, but uh, to me, if I had to choose one, it's definitely Kenny Stabler.
1: Now, Charles, okay. Charles Woodson Super Bowl actually went to us? Charles Woodson went to a Fourth and John tailgate. He just showed up, and we were very shocked and excited at the same time, but uh he rolled through that was awesome. Um so we have another question here. Will Nick Seriani run the ball at least 20 times in one game Joe <laughs> asked. Uh I'm, I'm gonna say I'm
3: gonna, I'm gonna say, gonna say, no, say yes. better. I'm gonna say no. better.
1: <laughs> he better. I'm gonna, if he's gonna flip the script, I mean this could be the game to do it. No
3: hey listen you're you're speaking logic you're speaking making sense right now and i agree with you but uh that's it hasn't happened you know what i mean it's just one of those things that once i see it then
2: i'll believe it
4: i'm telling you man this is the turnaround game i see it happening
2: (laughs) if they're averaging four or five uh chunks of yard, i mean chunks of carry they got to keep pounding the rock don't they they, you, would so think, you would think. You would think. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> now,
1: Terry says, I have Sanders as my fantasy football running back. Can you get me some points? Uh, again, we we just mentioned that uh, Sirianni has made it. He's, he's spoken into existence. He said uh, the words that you want to hear, we've got to get him the ball. So if you're taking his words to, uh, to heart, there you go. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, Will says, uh, got a score prediction blowout
2: or competitive. We'll, we'll, we'll start with our guest first, Dennis. Okay, the Raiders really don't blow anybody out. I mean, oh, I'm gonna go Raiders 27 17.
4: Hmm.
2: Interesting. I put out
1: a, I see. Yeah,
3: <laughs> see see, see uh, I'm sitting Dennis, here
1: thinking. Dennis, I don't, I don't I don't like to give out scores because I believe when you put it out there it happens. So like last week I said 35-21 the Bucks are going to win and my team lost to what 28-22. I just think it's going to be I feel like it's going to be a close game. Uh, I do think that the Eagles will pull this one out. Um I don't have a score. Prediction, but I, I think they'll win by four.
3: I Think they win <laughs> by four? I think I think it's actually I think it's going to be a pretty defensive game. I um I, I know that Derek Carr. I, I know that they're able to connect deep downfield. I know that you know Henry Ruggs and um Edwards. They're they're like two of the deepest threats in the game right now. Um, but I'm I'm kind of hoping that our corners are able to keep them in check. So I'm I'm kind of I'm. I'm sitting here. I'm in the same sort of boat. I'm a, I'm in a 21-17 Birds, um, birds win. I it, respond it, got,
2: to, can I respond to Mark Bird right here? He said, yeah, I yeah. did Jim Plunkett <laughs> and Rod Martin for years. Let me tell you why. Because Jim Plunkett threw three touchdown passes in that Super Bowl, and Rod Martin picked off Ron Jaworski three times in that Super Bowl. <laughs> I thought Rod Martin should have been MVP and not Jim Plunkett. So, Mark, I understand why, why you hated those oh, two Raiders. There, <laughs> a little nugget for you. I went to the Raiders-Eagles game. I think it was Nick Foles who threw seven touchdown passes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember oh, that. Goodness. Goodness. Just okay.
4: in case if you didn't know, those shoes, that jersey is at the Hall of Fame. Oh, I saw it. I saw the so Hall you know, of Fame. That, that
2: not-
3: 1980 Super Bowl, he's got it, bro.
2: <laughs> I was old enough to remember. That was The Raiders' second of their three Super Bowl victories. I See a lot of homework
1: in in the comments here. Yeah, Um, I don't don't know. We 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 have this is the Eagles.
2: You know, chat here right now, but um, you should be picking your team. Oh, three nothing. That's a low scoring, boring game.
3: That's a that's a baseball game, honestly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, 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 I'm I'm now at this point in time. I'm I, I. I'm kicking myself for not being in Vegas
2: right now. Oh, I mean, I the as soon as you heard it'll it'll be they'll eight start. years since because the next time they'll meet in Philly, and then yeah. back to Vegas. So it's going to be eight years before you have another opportunity. Yeah, I and I and I, I doubt Brandon Cunningham's going to be the chaplain in eight years. So. Uh, you know,
1: it, it was the ramble that put me over the edge. I was like, I know, I totally forget. And shout out to his daughter for competing in the Olympics as well. Uh,
2: no way, really? What event? Yeah.
1: Uh, she was a um, high jumper. nightly nice. What Olympics? It's past the past Olympics. The yeah. Oh wow! That's yeah, awesome.
4: that's awesome. Yeah. And there's like there's a
1: shot of her arching, like going over the bar. It's almost there's like the same picture of Randall Cunningham jumping over the goal line. I had posted that uh, earlier, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I totally wish I was out there. The, the Randall thing got me. Definitely. I was like, I could have maybe I could have got baptized or something. <laughs> I, that I, I, mean, I was baptized by reverend randall <laughs> i but really anyways. think
4: I, I really think the game <laughs> on sunday is uh is really going to come down to that one mistake that one mistake and i hate to say it dennis man but i i i think car is going to go ahead and be that one to make that mistake man
2: <laughs> what do you guys think of jalen hurts i'm curious Still still,
3: still uh, out, out on him yeah. right now. I, I, right. I said at the beginning of the season that I want to give him the full year um, and I'm still willing to give him that full year. He's shown flashes of being really good and he's also had me scratching my head. Um, so I, I think it's it's one of those things where I want to get the full sample size, uh, see him for the entire year and then we can make our judgment. We've got three first round picks going into next year. So uh, whether we end up moving those picks and packaging to get a free a- or not a free agent or packaging to make a trade or, you know, drafting a top quarterback in the draft, uh, I think that's how we assess it. What yeah, do you give up still- for
2: Deshaun Watson? You give up all three of those picks? Nah, nah. nah. no. I'm, to- I'm staying away
4: from Deshaun Watson. I don't actually. think he
1: wants. I don't think he wants to be here. Anyway. He,
4: was- he doesn't even want to come to Philly anyway. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, you know, just just going, you know, going back and watching the film. I, you know, I always encourage Eagle fans to go watch the film. Like, you know, you can listen to pundits and you could listen to uh you know national media talk about Jalen Hurts, but go up, go back and watch. I think, you know, the, the issues that you know he's having is uh you know seeing the field, um, you know, late with some throws. I think mechanics-wise, you you look at some of the throws that he he's missing on, uh he's got like this heel click thing he's doing. Um you know, if it's three-step job, it's boom, 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 boom. Throw. He's a boom, boom, boom. You know, he'll do a little bounce, a little, you know, heel click, and then throw. Um, in this league, you have to be, you know, just even like a half a second, um, is too late. Um, so I think you know, if he cleans up those things where he's the fundamentals, I mean, you you, you can go back and watch the fit the film where he's missing. You'll look at the mechanics where he's he's off with his footwork and. Again, ha- have they played to his strengths? I do not think so. Especially with the way that our offense is set up and not running the ball, we're super predict- predictable. Especially out of the, fo- the um, formation we're running, the ball out of you know alignments, you could tell who's pretty much getting the ball. I think if you're you know NFL defender, like you can call out what we're kind of kind of do. Like you can look at Diggs when he picked off um, Jalen on that 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 route, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you add some window dressing to this offense, add some running game misdirection like we saw against Kansas City, that's where you want to be at with Jalen. Um, but if you leave him, you know, predictable and one-dimensional, you're not really setting him up for success. And
2: uh, yeah, and if you you mentioned the one-dimensional, I think that's where the if they get into second, if they get behind the sticks, second and long. Third and long. That's when the Raiders can dial up the pass rush. That's when you get in Gokwe going. Solomon Thomas, uh, he was also a free agent signing in the offseason after the 49ers cut him. And I was like, oof, I don't know about that signing. But you know what? He has turned uh, the corner and he is having a wonderful season for the Raiders. You get him going, uh, Gakway, Crosby, and that's where the Raiders, they dial up the pressure and that's when they're at their best defensively.
1: Um, I saw this question from Drew down here. What are Jalen's strengths? I, you know, we all can answer this question but um the one one strength that i mean he's a he's a gamer um sometimes you can see him turn it on um sometimes the moment's not that big for him um overall you like his mobility um i'd like him to stay in the pocket a little bit he's he's leaving pockets that aren't really really muddied like these are opportunities where he has to step up and let it rip like you look at that uh he threw like a like a dig route to um to Devontae Smith, three dudes around like that's an NFL throw. That that's where, you know, those kind of throws that I want to see more of his. I think his you take advantage of his mobility when plays break down. I think that's that's a big strength. Uh, him as a leader, um, getting these guys going uh, when the game is on the line. You you know, uh, Maylada talked to, about his ability to get them going. You know, like you know next 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 play, get the forget what's going on just uh next next play make make a play so i feel like um overall as a leader that's his biggest strength
3: yeah yeah i mean it's the same sort of answers for me i love his versatility uh obviously doesn't have the greatest arm strength in the world but he can put the nice touch on the ball and like put the ball in a tight window um uh, but like you said he's able to make something out of nothing on a lot of plays on plays that break down he's able to get positive yardage with his feet and he does have that sort of uh almost like a mamba mentality where he is just completely locked in i love that he is just 100 percent locked in we came from and I, I hate harping on the past but like it, you know carson wentz It was a guy that we as a city fell in love with uh just instantly as soon as we drafted him we were all in on him and we kind of fooled ourselves in the fact that like his he wasn't always 100 percent engaged in um in in the football team, we've heard stories about him um, not communicating with his own wide receivers beyond uh, being in the huddle, just not even speaking to them. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's posting videos and pictures of him going out hunting all the time when he, you know, the, the team was failing. And so I think Jalen is just a guy that locks himself in the locker room and just tries to get better all the time. And I love that mentality out of him. But he still, obviously, he has some things that he needs to work on. So I think he's capable of it. But like I said, I just want to give him this full year to see if he can work the kinks out. Yeah, he, I mean,
4: he's mentioned that he is a couple mistakes away from being that quarterback. And at the end of the day, it's pretty much on him. He just needs to find a little bit more confidence in himself. Um, But I think I, I do agree with him, man. I, I think that... He he knows he has to go ahead and tighten up on, on a few spots, especially you know staring that receiver down. He needs to change that because he's just giving away too much to the defenses. They're really starting to figure him out. They figure out where they're gonna where he's gonna go ahead and throw it. We you know that that just needs to stop. Um, but you know like Evan had mentioned, and I'm I'm on the same boat. It's about just giving him that full year, let you know let it ride out. Um, at the end of the day, we're not the ones that made the decisions. It's the organization. But I, 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 think, you know, the kid, the kid has a, a potential for being that, you know, that star quarterback in the league.
1: I mean, look at you guys just talking behind his back. I mean, that's really, really rude. <laughs> I'm
4: not behind his back. His ears <laughs> are here,
1: You see, It's right <laughs> there. Uh, you know, in closing, uh, we like to do here, Dennis. Our last word. Um, you know, last word that you know you want to leave eagle fans and raider fans with it could be something positive it could be something negative it could be something you want to promote it could could be
2: anything well the one thing i want on sunday is a raider victory and i don't care how they do it i don't care what the final score is as long as the silver and black is on top after 60 minutes it will be a good weekend for me
3: very nice very nice prime Yes, thank you.
4: I'm glad you get, let me go, because I'm going to tell you something right now, Dennis. It's not happening, okay? It is not happening. This is the turnaround game for us. We need this more than you guys need it, all right? And I'm telling you, it's going to happen this weekend. I wish I was in Vegas, and I know after the show is done, we're going to talk about that. We're going to kick ourselves in the in the butt for not being there. But, hey, look, um, it's always fly Eagles fly with us. And I hate to tell
3: you, you're up for a loss this weekend, buddy. <laughs>
1: Uh, we'll go with Evan.
3: Uh, if there's one thing that I wanted to ask you, Dennis, but it was just completely silly. It, does Derek Carr wear eyeliner, or does his eyes just look like that? Anyway, after this game is all said and done, that <laughs> eyeliner is going to be running when he's in the dirt. Uh, it's going to be a tough day for him. I'm expecting a lot of sacks and uh, and Eagles win.
1: Uh, Last word for me, I just think it's a, it's a get right opportunity. You you go on the road, you go on the road to victory. Um, You know, you're going to be on the road for another week, then come back and then you you can build momentum. They keep talking about the Eagles having the, one of the weakest schedules moving forward. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity to catch some dubs, uh, catch experience. I think they, they really have to find an identity. Um, whether in this next three games they find an identity on offense. Defensively, I kind of know what they are a little bit, but offensively I, I have no clue who the Eagles are. So I think this is an opportunity for them to get right and Sirianni to make a marriage between uh, Miles Sanders, the running game, and Nick Sirianni's play calling. I think that should be very key this week um, against the defense like the Raiders. Um, but I, I mean, first and foremost, I, I wanted to uh, – Really thank Dennis for coming on here and dropping some nuggets, man. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's not every day you get to sit down with the, another team's expert. Um, and I think you, I thought you were awesome today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I love talking some Raiders and Eagles with you guys. It was an hour, uh, but it went by very, very quickly, and uh, had a lot of fun. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Really appreciate you, you well, stopping man. by, man. Welcome anytime. Thanks a lot.
1: But for me and the guys, uh, we will guys see. You guys, we will see you guys soon. And as always, it's Fly Eagles Fly.